right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, football time, in Tennessee time, almost time. Summer's over time, boys. Get used to working time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you here on a Friday night. We don't usually record on Friday nights, boys, uh, but... We normally come out with our podcast, Football Friday, on Friday morning. But here's what we're going to do this week, guys. We're going to have a couple this weekend. We're going to have one where it's the three of us sitting here talking Tennessee football, as you're hearing now with the start of preseason camp. Jeremy Pruitt's second season got underway officially Friday afternoon at Haslam Field. So we're going to break down some things from that, some storylines. And then after that, probably a day, maybe two days, somewhere somewhere later in the weekend, we're going to have a – uh, a podcast where uh, basically it's just me playing interviews with Tennessee's coordinators, the main coordinators. Um, sorry, other coordinators, it, but it uh, is Derek a rare Ansley, treat. yeah, the the defensive coordinator Derek Ansley and the offensive coordinator Jim Cheney will bring you interviews with a couple of those guys that we did recently. But right now, guys, uh, football time, football time. It's here. Yeah. It's here. <clears throat> yeah, we're, we've got to see some guys run around in helmets and shorts on Friday afternoon. And then they got to run by us as uh, they went inside just before there was a huge, loud clap of thunder. Yes, there was. <laughs> that was all. That, that was the. Uh, that was the. The gods saying it is time for you to stop watching football today, media. Uh, and then uh, they, I think they went back outside though. They did. It sounded like it. Yeah. They basically they have someone who watches the radar and every half hour, I, like half hour have, after lightning, they can go back yeah, out. Yeah, they there. probably have that thing that tracks how far lightning is away and has to be a certain distance, all that stuff. Well, if you have that much of a budget, you can pretty much do uh, whatever you want. But we got a ton of stuff to discuss discuss in this podcast, clearly, uh, with the new season being underway, with some storylines emerging. Uh, nothing, I think, truly shocking on the first day, which, hey, if you're Tennessee, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Uh, if you're making too much news on the first day of practice, that's not usually a good thing. But when you have a, a fan base like Tennessee uh, that that's such a large passionate fan base and there's so much interest you know it's kind of like you you try to shove that thing in the bottle for the offseason but it can't be contained there's excitement people are going to be ready to go and then it's like especially nowadays coaches keep things quiet as much as they can in the offseason don't try to make a lot of news uh, try to stay away Uh, so it kind of comes out like a torrent this time of year you know because there's recruiting news coming out 24 7 365 yeah that's the name of our company but when you look at team news uh it's you know it kind of stops up sometimes Uh, there's not a lot going on uh, in the summer and if there is it's not a good thing but here they are right now plenty to discuss guys thoughts on the first day because we got plenty to discuss uh with some team news some some roster news uh, the portal is back again yeah. more on that later but in terms of the first day what were the thoughts well for me the first day is always about let's see how these new guys look um and there are a few guys on this defensive side of the ball and, and on the offense side too but uh I, I mostly watched some of the new guys on defense on friday and boy do they look the part some of these guys should be uh, among the first players off the bus yes. before games. Some of these fellows um, are large. Yes, and so, you know, new new things always catch your eye the first couple of days, and, and the obvious caveat is these guys are running around in helmets and shorts, not even really playing football, and Jeremy Pruitt, uh, as blunt as he can be, came out and, and after the first practice said, some of these guys are going to look really good, and they're not going to be good football players. 
Yeah. So he 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 went ahead and laid that out. Um, but there's some guys that, <clears throat> if you're just looking at you know the old eye test, they pass it. Guys like Roman Harrison. Yes. First name off my uh, first name off the board for me for that. Uh, Henry Toa Toa, who's now spelling it Toa Space Toa. Mm-hmm. There's a space with another capital T. Two words. Can you for just the last do that? Two words. Can you just do that? It's his name. Yeah. He can do with it what he wants. So does that mean I could put an apostrophe in mine like I've always wanted to do? It, potentially. If your family has spelled it that way for years. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other three guys are all on the defensive line. You expect defensive linemen to be big, but uh, Savion Williams, uh, he probably has trouble walking through doorways because he's quite broad in the shoulder yes, he is. area. Uh, Daryl Middleton is... Uh, he looks like a jumbo wide receiver. A yeah. wide receiver that just kept eating and eating. That's what he was in high school. <laughs> but he's still well put together. Yeah, I mean, but he, hard he, to believe that's the same he, kid I saw running around at Pyle and Oak Ridge High School. He, yeah. It's crazy. He, he looks 6'7". He does not look 3'11". Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, uh, and then the other guy in West, you showed me a photo of uh, who is a, a, a favorite of the podcast, Elijah Simmons. Yes. Uh, we're gonna go and that, call him. We're gonna call him <laughs> FOP. Normally, normally, if you want to be an FOP, you have to actually listen to the podcast. Whether Elijah Williams, you know Simmons, Simmons, Simmons. get his name right if you're gonna love him. Come uh, on. That's true. It's a good point. Whether or, whether he listens to the podcast or not, he's an FOP for life. Uh, he's gonna go ahead and basically what we're gonna do is when we if we have a video component for this ever, no matter what he does at Tennessee, he could have the he could be like an Outland Trophy winner. He could do nothing, regardless. We're putting his head or poster of him in the in the new studio when it's done, and it's going to be magnificent. Well, after Pruitt's press conference, Wes, you showed me a photo, and the poor kid, like they need to get a bigger helmet for him. Yeah, that didn't. Hopefully, that's in the works. <laughs> It, it, it was it was filling up the uh, it was kind of like if you're trying to parallel park in New York like in like downtown Manhattan like right there that's that's how I would describe his face trying to smush into that helmet. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with Patrick. I think the newcomers on defense uh, stood out. I mean, obviously Darnell Wright's going to get a lot of discussion, he, and he doesn't look like he has a whole lot of baby fat on him. Yeah, he does. A guy that's not he, even 18 yet. Not as much as Wanya Morris had in the spring. Probably. He's he's in better shape than he was in January. I think when he showed up at the Under Armour All America game, you could have so you could have said he did have some extra weight on him. Now he's he's in much better shape, and I think that's that's going to that's going to help him. Or or it's already. His time on campus already has paid off. Maybe he's he's probably I think he showed up in better shape than expected, but he's obviously made good use of the summer. So, uh, yeah, I, to to me, Henry Toa Toa is the one that I was really eager to see, and his his speed I, I think lived up to the billing. He he looked to me like you know one of Tennessee's most athletic linebackers. He does move well. He does move moves well. really well, and for a guy with that with that frame, and he's still got room to add more weight if he needs to, but he's already well put together. So, uh, to to me, that's. Tennessee hasn't had many linebackers who have looked and moved like him in recent years. I mean, we'll see how he develops, but I think just for a day one impression, he he definitely yeah. caught my attention. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about Jared Means, but I thought for a for what we saw of him uh, getting a look on defense, I, I, I thought just seeing how he moved. I mean, we, he was a guy we didn't see in person in high school because he was sort of an unknown. And and seeing the way he moved and his build and everything, I think there's there's definitely some potential there wherever he plays. Yeah, Ryan, we were watching linebacker drills and we were talking about Toa Toa, and you said that, and we both kind of said compare how he's moving through some of the cutting and agility and lateral quickness drills, and compare how he looked to how Quivars uh, Crouch looked back in the spring. And, yeah, and, and so much smoother Toa Toa. Like he's he's more of a natural linebacker Crouch. Yeah. Uh, not to say he's not a linebacker, but he, that was new for him. That's not a yeah. position he really played. Um, he, I think, he, he's an athlete they're trying to to figure out what to do with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and on Friday they had him at, 
outside linebacker, which, which surprised me because they, from everything that we heard, Pat, going into the interviews that, that we did with the coordinators and his position coach too. I mean, we spoke with Kevin Shear, the inside linebackers coach. We spoke yeah. with Derek Ansley, defensive coordinator. Both of them said that they saw Crouch and Toa Toa both as inside, uh, inside guys, linebacker yeah. types. Now he, they did say Crouch has more versatility right now, but that they view both ultimately as inside guys. And then first day of practice, boom, he's out there. Yeah. Crouches with the, with the outside and backers. I, that wasn't really a surprise to me. Means was a surprise. We'll get to that in a second, but Crouch, he, he got some work at outside linebacker yeah. in the spring. And for, uh, for a while before the spring, that kind of looked like what he was going to play. Like Chris from the outside linebackers coach was talking about how he was um, going to, uh, that that was the guy he was going to coach. Yeah, so he said, hey, "I won the lottery because I get to coach this guy." And and I, Wes, I think you you kind of hit it on the head with Crouch. Is uh, he's an athlete? He's an athlete. They're trying to figure out. And we got a question on the board this week about you know could they play him at running back? I don't think that he'll be a running back, but I think you know game planning, situational stuff. You can maybe put in a package for him to use him down there at the goal line because he's big and physical and and carries a lot of pop with him. But uh, well, yeah, to, getting back to Toa Toa, he just he looks. Uh, like a natural fit at linebacker, and uh, they just got to get him caught up on, uh, get him to where he knows what he's doing. Yeah, uh, with Crouch, I was you know seeing him at outside linebacker Friday. I, I I thought of what Jeremy Pruitt said later about Jared Means, and and that uh, at least for now moved to to cornerback, just trying to get you know trying to get the best twenty two guys on the field, and and that's what I think they're sort of looking at maybe with Crouch. You know, Jeremy Pruitt didn't address that move, but I. I just wonder if they didn't see enough from him in the spring that said, you know what, we need to make sure we can't get something out of him at outside linebacker because at inside linebacker, he might have some developing to do and he may not be ready to make a day one impact there. Whereas you go on the outside, yeah. they can say, go hit the quarterback. If he can if he can give you something on the edge, there's at least a need there Which where we, he can yeah, help. Yeah, a very big need yes. that we know about because of behind Daryl Taylor, it's like, we know Daniel Batuli is a pretty good pass rushing inside linebacker, but yep. other than Daryl Taylor outside, which is normally where most of your pass rushing comes from, what are they going to get behind Daryl Taylor? We, we well, don't know. Well, and Jeremy Pruitt laid it out at SEC Media Days. They've got five guys on scholarship at that position without Crouch. The so, old DPR. So, so yeah. Designated pass rush. Right. So, so Crouch would give you at least six guys on scholarship. You know, I think you've got to figure, I mean, obviously Daniel Batuli doesn't count toward that total, and he's a guy that. Chris Rump acknowledged can play outside and third down on third downs and things like that. We saw a little bit of that last year too. Yeah. So so you've got more than just those five, but it would be better if, if a guy like Crouch could help out. I just have always thought Crouch is built much more naturally to be an inside linebacker because he doesn't have that great length that you ideally need to Correct. be an effective edge rusher. So I, I'm really interested. Looks to see. physically like an inside yeah. backer type, I right? Mean, or or a like a fullback H back type. Like that's the kind of body that he has. I yeah, because you're because you're going to be engaging tight ends and tackles coming off the edge there, and you need yes. long arms to to break free from that. And and so yeah, that unless you're a freak athlete. Yeah. So so that that's that's where he'll face some challenges if he's an edge rusher. But if he's a good enough athlete to pull it off, uh, they, they'd be crazy not to look at him there. So that that's an interesting one that we'll be watching closely, obviously throughout camp, but. Uh, yeah, I thought some some defensive guys definitely stood out, and uh, you know they they clearly are still experimenting to some degree, at least with a few guys. Uh, that obviously Jared Means kind of headlined that list, but you know they, they've got some decisions to make on on guys like him, or they're or they're still you know figuring out long term homes for some guys like him and Crouch. Yeah, what I thought was interesting was, and again, I think we've all gotten used to this that, that Jeremy Pruitt when he is going to immediately break down something. 
he tends to be harder on the defense than the offense. Yeah. Unless the offense turns the ball over a lot, which is something that's completely obvious everyone can see. And he hates it. Yeah, normally at the end of practice, uh, right when he goes up, comes out and speaks with us, he before he's broken down the film, his natural instincts are to be tougher on the defense than the offense. I, I think we've seen that pretty clearly the past two years. But after the first day, he did come out and say that there weren't many turnovers, which he thinks is a pretty good thing for the offense, not a good thing for the defense. And again, he's going to be harder on those guys, but he did say that he was mostly pleased with the first practice, but that he wasn't really pleased because he wanted to see the defense be more disruptive. And we saw this last season. Tennessee could keep guys in front of them for the most part. Yeah. Now, if they if got, if guys got behind them, they were in trouble because they didn't have the speed to close them down and, and prevent big plays from being really big plays but they could keep guys in front of them bottled up pretty well. What they didn't do enough was go rush the passer. What they didn't do enough was go force turnovers. Uh, they didn't strip the ball. They didn't recover it. They didn't intercept enough balls. They weren't disruptive enough in in, in the on that side of the ball. And, and that's something I think that Pruitt, again, the first day was saying, guys, still not there. That's something that he yep. very clearly is making an emphasis in something that if they don't force turnovers, he's, he's not going to call it a good day. Yeah, and, and I think – I mean, part of that might come from the fact that he knows this defense is going to have some bumps in the road. I mean, you're replacing your entire starting defensive line. How often does any team in the SEC have turnover like that at such an important position and and turn out to be significantly better the next year? It just usually doesn't happen. So this may have to be a defense that kind of slows things down but doesn't, you know, bends, bends but doesn't break, and then also forces some turnovers and last year they didn't do enough of that probably for his liking if they can do more of that that might make up for whatever shortcomings they have in the front seven and so i think that's why you've you've got to figure out ways to take advantage of the, the guys you do have like daryl taylor you know you've got you've got some guys in certain key positions like that that can make some big plays but you got to take advantage of what you do have and and, and maybe that that can lend itself to this being a, a, a more turnover happy kind of defense but Obviously, he didn't see that on day one, and that's something he wants to see more. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit, and, and, and before before we move on and talk about some other things, I, I do think we need to mention that this has been the single biggest emphasis since Jeremy Pruitt got to Tennessee. I think, I don't know if we can all agree on this, but this is what, what I think, and I'll, if you disagree, please do tell me. I, I think... I disagree already. You, you don't know that. You on don't know principle. What, you don't know what I'm going to say. Yes, you, on principle, I disagree. What if I was going to say the Atlanta Braves are great? Would you disagree with that? Uh, well, they are currently losing to the Reds on the top of the first. So. Don't get me started on the, the Cubs will never beat the Reds. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> but but this season anyway. But but when you look at the biggest thing I think that Pruitt wanted, he wanted a bigger football team. He said that in his first press conference, and I think he's made reference to this probably more than he's made reference to anything else. Like, he definitely wants fast guys. He wants good athletes. He wants difference makers. But he wants a big, strong, physical football team. And I think it, it, it's easy to forget this, but if we take a snapshot of, of 12 months ago, and I'm going to put a couple photo galleries up tonight on GoVols 24-7 of everything with the practice, and there's no full pad yet, so it's hard to say, but if you go back and look at the pictures of last year, the first day in shorts, and you go 12 months later and you look at this year's first day in shorts, you're going to see a much different-looking team physically, I think. You're going to see some guys who are much more cut up than they were last year. And I think when you look at the guys they lost and then the freshmen that they brought in and the newcomers, the JUCO guys, if your objective number one is to have a bigger, 
more physically imposing football team. Yeah. They've done that. Even some of the walk-ons in this group. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be good players. They might be terrible players. I don't know. There's probably a reason why most of them are walk-ons. No offense. Sure. But even the walk-ons on this team are bigger, more physically imposing mm-hmm. guys. That, to me, proves pretty good about making a simple checklist of things. Be like, okay, no matter what else happens, this is going to happen. And it looks like they've been able to accomplish getting bigger, stronger, physical as a team. And and, and on that note, I, I didn't want to over you know, you know beat the Elijah Simmons drum too hard earlier and and cause expectations to be any higher than they were before. But I will say, in early footwork drills, he he looked the part. He's 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 got pretty quick feet as he always has for a guy who's. 320 to 340 pounds, depending on what he's weighing in at now. So, yeah. That's... I'm going to tell you it's bigger than 320. I'm going to go ahead and oh, throw yeah. that out there. Oh, yeah. So, at, at least 325, and I would probably go north of that. But regardless, he's he's a big guy who moves well, and that's that's what he's been billed, billed as. He's not the tallest guy, but he's... He has not been on the keto diet. Yeah, but he's he's heavy, but he's a good athlete for, for being that or heavy. Or is it keto? So... I don't really know. Pat, do you know? I have no idea. Okay, he's not been on a low-carb diet. Yeah, you know, diet basically. This is this is a large this is a large kid. He's, but, probably, he's probably happy to be eating some of some food that's not Nashville food. Oh, <laughs> what well, such a bad take? Let me look at the exact time on this because I try to find the exact time in each podcast where Pat makes a <laughs> bad comment about Nashville. This one came in about sixteen minutes and forty seconds. Hey, I I, I ran into Elijah. Hashtag on brand. I ran into Elijah at Jack's Barbecue in Nashville, so he's he's he was eat, he was eating well uh, back in December. Had some good taste, so he's probably missing that Nashville food, if anything, Patrick. But I think that that's the important thing is that it's hard when you see guys like on a consistent basis. Like we saw them throughout the season. We see them in the spring. We see them occasionally in the summer. So it's hard to really, you know, when you're when you're judging if someone's gotten bigger or stronger, it's probably like if you're a parent yeah. watching a kid kind of grow up. Like if they go away to summer camp for a summer and they come back, you're like, whoa, what happened to you? But if you see them every single day, they're going to look like, oh, well, they're just gradually kind of growing. But but if you go back and look at 12 months ago to now, this is a different-looking football team. When you look at posi- positionally, the offensive line yeah. doesn't look like the same guys. The defensive line, even though they lost three senior starters, look physically larger as a group than they did last season. The linebackers, not even close, much yep. bigger. Yep. Uh, the safeties are big guys. They're rolling some guys out there at corner now that look kind of like the safeties have in this program the past few years. They're just – you can tell that that's – very clearly, Pruitt wants to end the, these days of, of Tennessee getting physically obliterated. Yep. And if you go back to the end of last season, you go watch that Vanderbilt game if you have the stomach for it. Don't, don't go watch that game. It's old. It's in the past. It's not important. But what I'm saying is, it, no, it is important Don't in listen this to case. Wes, as always. It's important in this case because you're trying to gauge where they are now. And you go watch the line of scrimmage in that game. Whichever way Vandy wanted to push the line of scrimmage, that's the way it went. Yeah, and, and it went that way against Missouri, too. And this is later in the season when Tennessee had been worn down a little bit. You saw just physically they were getting just just getting gashed on the line of scrimmage. And you cannot coach around that. It's like somebody asked Jim Chaney in the podcast you'll hear later this weekend. Someone asked Jim Chaney, point blank, can you coach around the offensive line? And he said, no, you can't. There is no way, even those teams he had at Purdue, when they threw the ball all over the place. Well, if they didn't keep Drew Brees clean, he couldn't do some of that. Yeah. And so that is where Tennessee has said, no matter what, the foundation of this thing, you can see it in recruiting, the, try to, the guys they're trying to get. Uh, you can see it in the way they're trying to beef up these guys. They're tired of getting blown up at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's one thing that, if nothing else, that's the one thing that this team wants to fix this season or this staff wants to fix this season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, clearly you're seeing two things. The cumulative effect of 
having back-to-back off seasons under the same strength staff for the first time in what a decade at Tennessee. It's been a long time since they had a strength coach back-to-back years. Um, and then on top of that, you're seeing the cumulative effect of Tennessee now having brought in two and a half, I guess you could say, recruiting classes under this staff. They signed the one class that wasn't entirely Jeremy Pruitt's, and then and then now you've had you, you've had a or, or sorry one and a half recruiting classes, yeah. but you've had a full class and then a half class to build a good portion of your roster. You've got about half of this roster that was sort of handpicked by Jeremy Pruitt. So, um, and, and then once you had add this 2020 class, it'd be two and a half and you'll really see the majority of the roster being his guys. But I think you're, it's both of those things. You're seeing just more of them are his guys. Whereas last year, only a portion of the roster were his guys. Now you got at least half of them. They're theirs. And then even the guys who were there before, have developed more. So yeah, you're seeing more of that. And it is a, it is a more physically impressive team when, when you see them out there on the field. So it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a clear step forward. They, they, there's, there's no doubt. And that, I mean, will, there's a couple even, there's even a couple of walk-ons on this team. Like, again, these guys may not be worth a flip. Okay. They yeah. may, they may be walk-ons for a reason, probably are and to some extent, but there were some guys out there. I noted a couple of them. One, was uh, number 34, Deontay Beauchamp yep. from Hazel Green High School in Alabama where Pruitt knows a lot of people around there. This is a linebacker, 6'1", 241 freshman, and he looks every bit of that. Big kid. And now people are going to say that he's going to be starting because you're bringing him up on the well, podcast. No, but, no, but what I'm saying is these are more examples. Another yep. one, uh, a kid from Bluff City, Tennessee, right there up near Ramey's neck of the woods who, who sat out tonight's podcast because he is not a team player. But if you look at this kid, Dane Davis, freshman uh, from up there, 6'7", 330. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys that are coming in now, these are even just the walk-ons. Jarius Abercrombie last yes, year. Yes, another guy. huge, still a huge kid. Still, yeah. I think, a pretty good-looking prospect physically. But, you know, you, you look at this and you say, this is clearly what they're trying to do here, and it's a start, right? I mean, yep. if you cannot win in pretty much any league, but especially in the Southeastern Conference, if you if the line of scrimmage is getting blown up on both sides of the ball on every snap. You know, it's like trying to drive a, a car that, there, there's four flat tires. Like, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good step in the right direction because, hey, these guys look bigger. When they put but, on pads, they're going to look even bigger than this. But, but, and, and Jeremy Pruitt said this at SEC Media Days, is that just because you're big doesn't mean you're good at football. Correct. So they got to figure out some of these guys, some of these big guys, some of these guys that look the part are good at football. They're not going to find that out these first couple days when they're not in pads. Correct. You know, you, football is a game played in pads. You got to, uh, you know, you got to, I don't even sure. I'm not even sure kind of how they play football without any pads on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Very carefully. But, but yeah, you have to be careful. But, uh, the, the, yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll just have to, to see when they put the pads on how much some of these guys can play. And the defensive guys are going to have a lot. Some guys are gamers. Because, yeah, as much as we've <laughs> liked what we've seen from guys like Toa Toa and, and Simmons, we, we haven't seen them shed a block and make a tackle yet. We so haven't seen the FBI. We don't, we don't know if it's there. Yeah, so so it's, much. It's like Pruitt said after the spring game. If, if you're driving a car that looks good and goes fast, but you don't know where you're going, then what's the point? Yeah. So, But yeah, but looking the part and being good athletes and being big, that, that's all part of the equation. And yeah, having checked that box gives Tennessee, it's a start. You know, we'll, we'll see what they have to go along with it, but they, they definitely passed the eye test more so than they did the last couple of years on the field. Before we switch news, guys, uh, or switch gears, I should say, do uh, do you guys still like products? Yeah. Pat, do you like products? Yes. Do you enjoy services? Do you ever take advantage of certain services that are available? It depends on what the service is. But in general, you're not opposed to the idea of services no. or products. No. 
do you like in-house ads, the occasional, uh, you know, the occasional reminder of a good podcast that you might not have known existed, but now you know it because you've listened to this great podcast and you've heard about other really good podcasts. Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Every once in a while, yeah. Then I got good news for both of y'all. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back. Welcome back. Good feel, break, guys. You got stretched out. I feel refreshed. Feel limber. Before we switch gears here, I want to add one thing. I was going to mention this at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to mention it now. The reason why we uh, we... This has been a longer break than usual that we had for our podcast there. We had about 10 days or so where we didn't have one, which is very unusual for us. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I've talked to you all about this before, but uh, we're trying to get some construction stuff finished at our house. It has been an issue. Uh, we hopefully, uh, we're recording this on Friday. Hopefully they're finished, starting to finish some of that stuff on Saturday up in the studio upstairs uh, to get some trim painted and some stuff moved around. That was one part of it. The other part of it was, um, I don't mention my family a ton. I let, they're more private than I am, but my dad had... Uh, my dad had a heart procedure done at the University of Tennessee Medical Center, came out through it okay, but that occupied me for a couple of days. And I want to give a quick shout out here to the University of Tennessee Medical Center, because just in the past five years, just in the past five years at that medical center, they uh, figured out why my brain died and helped me learn to walk again. One, they took an egg-sized tumor out of my mom's brain. And then three, they took uh, put a stint into uh, my dad's Widowmaker. So just in the past five years, Team Rucker has really gone through the ringer. But the UT Medical Center has been there for us. Thank you to everyone there. You know, we don't we don't appreciate those guys enough. Like we always, as we should, say thank you to the to the military and all these other people who do wonderful things for us. But man, those doctors and nurses, just the amount that they're able to do, just unbelievable. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of them. That's why, again, been a, been a slower uh, time than usual with our podcast, but we're back on it now. Everything's good. Rawhide's back up and running. We're all right. Back to football. Guys, Tennessee had a uh, a position change. Now, this is not unusual for Jeremy Pruitt with underclassmen, first-year players. He yep. moves them around a little bit. But guys, th there was one out there, Ryan, on Friday night that I think took us by a little bit of surprise. Yeah, he had hinted at it, but Jared Means moving to to cornerback was a was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, we we had, we had seen there there was a point late in his recruitment just before signing day or around signing day where where there was some talk of him being viewed as an athlete for Tennessee that um, that the, the plan was to play him at receiver first, um, but that he was a good enough athlete that they couldn't rule out the secondary, which I. I, I took as a serious possibility, but but kind of shrugged it off because he was one of two receivers in this class, and he's a big enough body that I thought you know once he gets a little bit bigger, first of all, he's what are the odds he's going to play cornerback if he gets any bigger? He was already listed at more than two hundred pounds, and then two that's a large corner, yeah, and then two, um, you know, if if safety's a more natural fit for him, if he's a bigger guy, do, do they really need him there enough to to move him to defense? So I, I thought he was likely to stick at receiver, but here he is going into the first day of preseason practice and. He's out there at corner with a different number, which I think is a pretty good indication that 
they envision this uh, being at least a a fairly long term move. And and Jeremy Pruitt's comments certainly suggested, um, you know, he didn't say we're going to try him for this week. He said we're going to give him an opportunity there this camp and and see how he does. Uh, yeah, if you're changing the number, you're really giving yeah. him a shot. And 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 yeah, he if he wanted to play on defense, he had to change numbers. Latrell Bumpus is number eighty eight on on defense. That was his number at receiver. So those guys, you at least need to have the option of putting them both on the field at the same time. Um, so yeah, he, he switched to 25 and you know, first of all, I, if he, if he's really 214 pounds or whatever he's listed at, he is, he carries it very well. I didn't think he looked quite that big. So everyone's saying, Whoa, this is like a massive corner. I don't know if he's quite as massive as he sounds, but he is a big corner. And if he can play there and has, he clearly has some speed that can really, um, can give him a chance there. But if he can, if he can, continue to show that kind of athleticism with a, with a pretty big frame. That's a, that's an interesting piece back there. And, and Tennessee obviously still could use the depth at corner, even with guys like Warren Burrell and, uh, and Kenny Solomon also back there in the secondary Tennessee's not beyond having a newcomer burst onto the scene and into the two deep. So um, you've got Alante Taylor, you've got Bryce Thompson, but you need some guys behind there. And Jared means he's clearly he's intrigued the staff enough that they, they, they aren't just putting him there to be in the three deep. They, they envision him being a guy that could, Maybe be in the discussion for some playing time if he's good enough. Yeah, and <clears throat> Jeremy Pruitt after practice, I mean, made it pretty clear that you know you're trying to get your best players on the field, and 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 basically suggested that it was a you know there's a better chance that Means can help this season on defense than on offense. He pointed out they've got four senior wide receivers. Uh, pointed out that you know, but behind that, a lot of guys, Josh Palmer and Jordan Murphy. Uh, Palmer and Murphy were two guys that T. Martin actually kind of singled out on Thursday as guys that really impressed him in the spring, and so. Uh, you know, you had those six guys right there at receiver. Um, and, and Ryan, you kind of laid it out. There's not a whole lot of depth at the cornerback position. And um, uh, obviously, you know, you're wondering about how Tennessee's receiver position is going to look after this season. But, the, you know, if you're Tennessee, you got to cross that bridge when you get there. Yeah, you can't. You worry about this year first. Yeah, you, you worry about this year. And if there's a guy that, you know, if, if Means potentially could help you by getting into the two deep and kind of bolstering your your depth there, then. Uh, that's a move that you got to make, and it definitely, you know. Uh, and I asked Pruitt afterwards, "Is this something that's going to, you know, be for a week, or is it, um, you know, what, what was the kind of what the deal was?" And he said, "It's going to be a pre, it's it's going to be for all preseason." So, uh, of course, he may not look good there for a week, yeah. and then they move him back. So that's always uh, a possibility as well. But I love how unafraid he is to make decisions like that. Well, you know what? That, that, even if, if they work but, out or don't, I, I love that he is not afraid. He has that old school football coach mentality that says, I'm just going to find out what these guys can but, do. I mean, but they, you know, he said that, that means had worked at, you know, at receiver the first month he was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a defensive back the second half of the summer. Of I was going to say coaches, they didn't try it blindly. Yeah. yeah the, the coaches aren't, you know, they're not watching that. They're not breaking it down. They don't have film of all that stuff. So, um, but they can get reports on how yeah, he looks. Yeah, and they and, do, and and you know, but uh, the chance to actually get to coach him to play defense is yep. now what they're going to do uh, for the preseason, and um, and if it's something they have to revisit, then uh, they'll do so. In terms of the future receiver, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs, who I'm sure we'll talk about too, was with the wide receivers on Friday, and so they mm-hmm. got to figure out what his position is, and he'll get like a season long audition, and they'll probably bounce him around from Ansley again on on Thursday mentioned him as a guy who still I mean, he thinks he, can can play both spots this year yeah, or, and, or practice. And Pruitt said that too. Pruitt said the biggest thing they have to do this year with him is obviously they got to they got to keep him locked in and focused and getting better as a player, uh, but they need to figure out where his long term future is, and so he'll get uh, a full season's worth. And you know he may switch sides of the ball uh, since he'll be on the scout team if, if they're playing a team that's got a really good wide receiver. 
you know, they'll put that they'll put Gibbs in that guy's number and, and say that hey, is an, go, that's an excellent point because that's something the, he can do all year. You know, he'll, he'll, that's that's the way he's going to help this team is on the scout team. So, um, you know, that that's something where he he could be uh, useful there since he's not going to be playing. But uh, he's another guy that if you're thinking about the future of Tennessee's wide receiver position right now, I think they only have uh, one true wide receiver commitment in Jalen Hyde who they just got, and they got a couple other guys that are athlete types that could play on both sides of the ball. Uh, then you know, Gibbs is a guy that's part of that that mix. Uh, for beyond this season, but for this season, they're going to look at means on defense and uh, see if he can maybe help out some of their uh, depth at the corner spots. Side side swipe here. Uh, we, we are going into now a situation where we're talking about Tennessee's cornerbacks and a guy who's been moved to that position, which leads me to say this. I don't know if they're connected, possibly, probably or not, but I think we need to mention it anyway. Again, for the first couple weeks of preseason camp, Balaam Buchanan is not going to be out there. And, and I, I got to say, guys, it was one thing for him in, in the spring to kind of be limited a little bit. It's spring. He's played a ton of snaps at Tennessee. For better or for worse, you, you pretty much know who and what he is as a player, what he does well, what he doesn't do well. So he can miss the spring, basically, from contact, and it's not that big of a deal. Now they've had a full offseason, a full summer. They go back into camp, and he's still not doing much for at least the first couple of weeks, as Jeremy Pruitt said. How much of a concern is this? Because I'll throw it out there as this. To me, it's now more of a concern than I thought it was because this has been a while now and he's still getting limited. I, I don't, I don't know that the this. Well, they, it actually might be connected because if you're looking at have, having to move a guy like Bryce Thompson or Alante Taylor inside, then you need somebody on the outside. You you feel more comfortable in. And so, uh, who is Tennessee's third best perimeter boundary or field cornerback right now? Do we know? I mean, yeah, uh, there's well. some guys that could cover. Um, <clears throat> Did Warren Burrell show enough? Yeah, as Warren a true Burrell, freshman? Sean Schamberger, maybe. I like some of what I saw from him in, in spring, uh, yeah. by the way. And so there's, I mean, as I am distracted by the gigantic groundhog that's roaming in your yard. Yeah, we got these things to these buzzers that are supposed to bother them. It's not working. Uh, <laughs> so he's far, right over there. So far, Gary seems <laughs> impervious. To, so all this thing is doing is annoying me, and not, basically, I'm turning into Bill Murray from Caddyshack at this point. That that's what this has become. He's like the Clubber Lang of of groundhogs. He just yes. brings the pain. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, and one other move we do need to mention is Malik Gray is now back at wide receiver. A lot of people were wondering, he's a top 100 guy. We've talked about him before on some podcasts. Does it still think he's facing an uphill battle? Yeah, I still think it's, it, if you're moving to a position that your head coach just talked about how stacked it was, it's probably not a good, uh, probably not a good situation for you, but you need numbers there, I guess, but still, but you know, we'll see if he can make any moves this, uh, this preseason. But yeah, I think, I think the Buchanan situation is, is one of, uh, one of the bigger storylines. I think you might even put it uh, among the, the top storylines behind the offensive and defensive lines and maybe pass rushers and what they do backup quarterback. I think that, that position is such an important position, this defense, that star position. Uh, they need somebody there that they can trust. And, and frankly, they need somebody there that can, that can bring them more in coverage than Buchanan did last year. He, he was solid. He was okay. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're an opposing offense, you're looking at the you know, three main coverage guys on Tennessee's defense. You're like, Okay, Bryce Thompson. Don't want to test him too much. He can make some plays. You know, if Alante Taylor improve, if he's able to kind of translate his offseason improvement onto the field, he's another guy you kind of maybe want to stray away from. Well, you just pick on the guy that that whoever the slot corner is covering. And so that that was maybe a weak spot for for Tennessee last year. That covering slot receivers, covering tight ends, uh, and so they need some some of these safeties and some of these slot guys to uh, to kind of step up. And, and Pruitt mentioned they got a bunch of options, and it seems like they worked everybody there. 
Nigel Warrior is one of them. Bryce Thompson. I think Kenneth George is going to get some George work there. Because yeah. I think back go, from suspension. Like uh, if you go back to last season, if he couldn't, you know, Buchanan struggled at times there. He did, but if he he's had also, not, he's also a guy they never took off the field. Yeah. If, yep. if he could, if he had not been able to kind of hold it together as well as he had, imagine like in hindsight what Tennessee's defense, as bad as some of those defenses were, if you had taken Justin Coleman away from the from the star position, or, oh, or yeah. what now is called the star position, other people call it nickel, whatever you want to call it, there's always fancy terms for it. It's a nickel. And when you look at it, if you'd taken him out of that situation, boy, that thing would have gotten even worse. Oh, now yeah. he's one of the higher-paid nickels in the NFL. You know, you, I think Bailey Buchanan, I've always thought, and I've said this through last season anyway, not always, but through last season, I think he was really underappreciated because so many people, as happens with freshmen, when you see freshmen and sophomores go out there at corner and they get beat, it can form an opinion yep. that lasts forever. Like, remember Teddy Gaines? Everyone used to always talk about Teddy Gaines, big Gaines. Well, he ends up getting drafted by the 49ers. And, and so – some of these guys, they become better players during their career, and we don't recognize it as much as we should because of the impression they leave on you as freshmen and sophomores. Like, no matter what Josh Smith did at wide receiver, you know, yeah. if he had those couple drops he had early in his career haunted him forever with people comparing him to people who were dropping the ball and, and you know, just, just not a good thing. I think Balaam Buchanan had a better season last year than he's been given credit for and I think he's a guy who's really important to this team because they they're going to need someone out there that they definitely trust and I do think he might not be the most dynamic player out there but they do trust Buchanan there that's why I'm asking is it a bigger deal than we thought because I thought he'd be out there by now I I, I think it well Ryan go ahead oh I was just gonna say I, I think it is a bigger deal than we've probably thought because I, I thought he would be out there within the first couple of weeks. I thought there was a chance he could be, you know, limited, but he, you know, as, as much time as he missed this spring, you had to think, okay, he's getting closer at least to coming back. I mean, we don't know the exact extent of the injuries, so that's part of the problem, but to hear Jeremy Pruitt talking about it, they're going to wait a couple of weeks and then sort of reevaluate. That doesn't sound like he's yeah, hopeful. Right on the verge of coming back. It sounds like, let's wait a couple of weeks and then see how close he is, which sounds a lot more like a guy who's going to be maybe in question for the season opener, which, again... They, they've done a good job keeping that pretty quiet. They have. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm maybe too honest here. I kind of thought he'd be out there early in well, camp. I did, this was a bit of a surprise to me. Well, and this is a guy... I mean, obviously, there are bigger wild cards in this team in the sense that everyone's going to be watching Aubrey Solomon and Trey Smith these first few weeks of camp, Very for much sure. so, yeah. But... This is a big wild card for Tennessee's defense, and it's a guy who's played a lot of football. He's a senior. He, as you said, it's an important position. Slot receivers get thrown to a lot these days, in addition to it just being an easy guy to pick on if there's someone vulnerable there. So you need someone you can count on there, and, and he, he probably did have a better season than people realized. It was up and down last year, but not, not bad by any means. And, yeah, if he's not out there, that suddenly becomes you know, one of Tennessee's bigger question marks in what otherwise is you know, potentially a fairly solid secondary. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, that there's kind of two ways to look at this. One is you don't know what you got till it's gone. A lot of people, you know, a lot of you Correct. might think that Buchanan was a little up and down. You know, he, he was picked on a little bit in coverage last year. Uh, this is a chance, you know. Because people didn't chance, want to pick on Bryce Thompson chance, later in the year. It's a chance for maybe Tennessee to find somebody that's that performs better in that situation or in that position. Uh, or it could be a situation where they find they don't have that many quality options to play it. So um, the, the good news is, is that, you know, Coaching staffs, football coaching staffs are wired to always think, always be thinking of contingency plans and be thinking of who's next up, so that that way in a game, if you know, you'd rather have maybe have this happen over the off season where you've got time to look at different guys and kind of work through it, as opposed to guy goes down in a game, you got to make a decision in less than a minute. So uh, they they've had a whole spring to sort of experiment with some guys there and look at other guys there. 
um, and they'll get a whole pre, you know, at least the first two weeks of preseason practice to look at it too. And so we'll just have to see if, if it's warrior, then uh, you gotta, you gotta plug somebody else back in there at safety. That's where I think Jalen McCullough could be a factor. Um, he, he's a freshman that the staff is really high on. He's a big, um, strong kid. Trayvon flowers. Who's now wearing number one. So if you're wearing yeah. number one, you have to be a good player, right? Yes. Uh, so he's another that, guy that Jason Swain is very, very hard on guys <laughs> who wear number one when they're not good because uh, I, trust me, that guy, that guy's my brother from a darker mother. I know him really well. And if anyone's wearing number one, that's not good. He is not happy about well, it. Well, Flowers is wearing number one now. So dog talk about that next time you play radio. <laughs> We're going to have to. Because <laughs> if, I, if I had hey, known that. Play that, radio is your words, not mine. So well, no, that started. There's a backstory to that. That's what when his, his oldest daughter now. Story time with Wes. Here we go. No, his oldest daughter now, when she was a lot smaller. She used to say every day when, when Swain would go off to work, she'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do the show. She's like, you're going to play radio? He said, yes, I'm going to go play radio. So that's why to this day it's called Play Radio because an adorable little girl who's now a beautiful young woman said that at the time, and we, did, we adopted it. Well, there we go. I'm gl- we're all, we are all educated. I was wondering that before. <laughs> yeah, that's where it came from. Uh, no, but th- this, is, you know, this is the question that, that, that they're going to have to answer. It's an important position. I mean, you look at... Uh, you you need if they could bring back Rashawn Golden to play that position. He, yeah, he was he was kind of yeah, he was pretty the good. best fit to play that spot because he was uh, good in coverage, didn't give up a lot there. He was really good against the run, really physical. He was a good blitzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times we hear Jeremy Pruitt talk about guys tippy toeing in the backfield on edge blitzes? He's, he just, wants, he's a tippy toeing in there. Rashawn Golden never <laughs> tippy toed around anything in his life, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, also, excellent middle finger <laughs> dexterity. <laughs> yeah, true. I wonder if that showed up in combine testing. Uh, but he, but they, they don't, they don't at this point have that guy. Uh, Bryce Thompson might be that, could yeah. be that guy. But you also want him covering your, you know, the other team's best wide receivers. That's, so that's, that's the problem. Yeah. I think that kid could play safety if you wanted him. I think yeah. he's just a good that's football player. That's the question that they're going to have to sort of figure out. And, and like, like Pruitt kind of explained the other day, you know, they they have so many different lineups that they go through and and, and practices and uh, really. In practices, we get to see a little bit of individual drills, and then I think they're just playing football for most of the rest of the time. Yeah, in some form of fashion. We miss all the fun stuff. Eleven on eleven, seven on seven, half line stuff with the lines of scrimmage. I I would say we get to see stretching, but we don't even get to see stretching anymore. We get to see after they're done stretching. Pruitt very early on was like, "You get better at football by playing football," and so that's pretty much what they do. You know who else used to say that a lot? Philip Fulmer also used to say that quite a bit. They have more. They have more in common. Then I think people were wondering at the time: Is this is Pruitt too much of a saving guy? And Fulmer was a different kind of guy. Will they get along? They have a lot more in common, I think, than than people think that they do. They they say a lot of the same things. They view football in, in some ways the same. So that's a good thing for Tennessee. Better news before we step out of here: We did talk about some concern with Baylen Buchanan. I think we need to mention that everything with Jawan Jennings looks pretty good. There were concerns about in the summer. You know, he re-injured a knee. Was was there a problem there? Uh, it looks like, from what we've heard, at least anyways, out, out there, what we've seen, he looked pretty good. And then afterwards, we we asked Jeremy Pruitt about it, and he said point blank that that they're going to keep him on a pitch count, but only to be cautious, and that they feel good about him. So that, that the, sounded, the dog is okay. I will say it sounded more positive to me, honestly, than what I expected going into camp. I thought there would be some legitimate concerns there. So I, at the end of the day, you know, even if even if he's a guy who had to sit out a couple of days a week during practice of you know leading up to a game, it wouldn't be ideal. But you'd say, eh, it's Jawan Jennings. If he can manage it in a game, he'll be fine. Um, and you would have made the best of it. But this sounds pretty encouraging. You know, he made it sound like they'll monitor him over the next week or so. Uh, which leads you to believe this won't be a, you know, maybe it's not something that he has to deal with all season. So if that's the case, that's really good news for Tennessee. And obviously they've got a much better chance of getting the best out of Jawan Jennings that they can get this year. And, and they, Jawan's a guy that you just want to get him to Saturday. 
But the problem is, is that Jawan wants to play football when there's football being played. So yes. good luck keeping him. You're gonna have to monitor. You're gonna have to chain him down to keep him away from practicing most days. Like he will go out there. It's like if you don't put the dog on a leash. Again, there's a reason why they call him dog. If you don't put him on a leash, uh, he he can be kind of wild. So. I'll, I'll add too. Uh, Team Martin had some very good things to say about Jawan Jennings and just sort of the maturity he's shown and. Um, you know, being a leader for a guy like Ramel Keaton, um, you know, th- thinks he's really taken even another step. And if he, if that is true, and if he is even closer to full strength than we maybe thought going into camp, then there, there there's a, there's reason to be optimistic there. He's, he, he could always be even better than, than what we've seen from him. Certainly last year when he wasn't at, wasn't quite at full strength. Anything else, guys, that, that really, from, from the first day, there's always a couple of little odds and ends to get lost in the shuffle. Was there anything else of note today? We mentioned some of the, the New Jersey numbers that you're going to have to get used to looking at the roster. Uh, we mentioned a couple of health things that look pretty good, a couple that, that maybe are more of a question mark. Uh, anything else from the first day that really kind of caught your eye? I spent the first little bit of pra- uh, practice time we were out there watching the offensive line, um, and it seems to me like uh, if at the current rate, maybe we have a better idea what the – starting lineup could look like than maybe otherwise. I think that's when they were doing some five man stuff. It looked like Trey Smith, who was not doing any, he's not doing any full contact work. Status quo for now. Just status quo for now. I I think until otherwise we need to assume he's not playing. Yeah. Uh, But I think Tennessee is maybe some, maybe trying to keep him ready too. Yeah. Because if, if he gets the the green light to play, he's he's on the field. They're, for, he's a guy they're he, formulating a plan, is what it sounds like. But I don't know what that plan involves and what the holdup is and all that. So it, it's, it's it's probably pretty complicated behind the scenes. Yeah, um, because you're talking about a guy's life and well being. Yeah, um, but he's out there. He's getting reps. If if he's playing, he's probably at left guard. Uh, and if he's at left guard, that impacts Jameer Johnson, who was getting work at left guard and left tackle. Um, I would say more more reps at left tackle uh, on Friday than he got most of the spring that we saw. Yeah. Obviously, Wanya Moore is out there yeah, left I've guard, too. About, so I've been wondering about that for a long, long time now. Why do you not try him some at left tackle? So, But 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 they don't. They only view him as a left-sided guy, so those are kind of the only two positions. They recruited him to play left Zach, tackle. What is it? Is, it, is Zoolander can't turn right or can't turn left? He can't turn left. <laughs> Just like so John Jimmy- Lester can't throw to first base, which I only learned because Ryan showed me a clip of him throwing a worm burner to first base it's earlier. Really, it's he, he, would, he would do better rolling it like a bowling ball. Uh, but anyways, back back to the topic at hand. Brandon Kennedy at center, Crone Calvert at right guard. Uh, and it looked like the first group we saw, they had Marcus Tatum at right tackle. Mm-hmm. And Tatum tweeted out this week that he's at 320 pounds. He definitely looks like he's... He legitimately looks bigger now. He looks he's, like an SEC offensive tackle now. He's not he being... like it? We'll see. I'll say he's not being talked about enough. I think too many people have penciled in Darnell Wright as the day one starter. I would not be shocked at all. I'm staring at me I've when you Tatum. say this. No, no, no. I've said Tatum. Now, I, yeah. by the end of the season, I don't know if it'll be Tatum, but I think going into the season, it will be Tatum. But I think people saw it as like a pool of seven or eight linemen that would play, and Tatum was number nine on a lot of people's lists. I think he's much higher in the pecking order well, than people realize. He's got some experience playing both tackle spots. He can provide depth there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think he's he's definitely a factor. There's there's a few guys uh, on this offensive line that are going to be factors for starting jobs going into the season. And even if they don't, even if they aren't in the starting five against Georgia State, they're going to be factors because they'll be six, seven, eight guys get hurt on the offensive line. Sometimes you rotate. Uh, that's where guys like Jerome Carr and Ryan Johnson uh, could come into into uh, into play. Uh, Nathan Niehaus and other guys. I still like Carvin long term. Yeah, I think he's I think he's a solid prospect. He was working at center and both guard spots on Friday, so he's a guy that's definitely got um, some versatility that they like. And, uh, and yeah, I mentioned Niehaus too. I think he's maybe a factor. He can play guard and tackle as well. So a guy Pruitt likes. Um, 
yeah, I, I think we'll have to kind of see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I think Jameer getting some left tackle work, I think that's made it pretty clear that that's a potential option for him. And if Trey comes back, who's the odd man out on the left side? We don't know. Whoever and, or whoever they feel most comfortable as a left tackle is who's going to play there, whether that's uh, whether Wanya Morris has a great camp and shows that he's the guy or whether yeah. they go with uh, Jameer Johnson there. We'll just have to wait and see. And, and I still say it's a better situation for Tennessee to be planning on not playing Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright and to let those guys play their way in when they're ready than it is to have to count on them. So I know well, I know fans are wanting to see those guys because they're young and they're exciting, but even if they're not even if neither of them is a day one starter that's okay and it's probably a better situation in some ways for Tennessee well I mean I I did a depth chart this week and put both of them in the starting lineup yeah, just because I mean, I mean I, I've you seen can't it. argue against it I'm it's just not saying. the worst bet I've ever heard I think I would bet on Tatum at right tackle to begin the season yeah. now to end the season if everybody's still healthy right I think you could see the changeover then but I and you I, still exp- you got three games maybe or at least two in your first three to experiment with a little bit too so you could see multiple combinations out there to see if e- either of those guys is ready going into SEC I, play even I, if I've also start. seen times where Marcus Tatum isn't bad at football I know there are a lot of clips out there and when he has struggled it has been bad there he have got been put times in some unfair situations there too. have been times where they have had to yank him off the field quickly because it was blue bleeding basically yeah. like that side of the line was bleeding it ha- when it has been bad it's been bad but i think now that he's a little bigger and stronger i've always liked uh, his quickness i've always liked his intelligence I've, there's a lot of things i've liked about him and i i've seen him play okay football at times and i think i, th- I think last year was when he played some okay football because i mean they he had to step in during some circumstances that weren't great the last five games of the season stepping in at left tackle for trey smith and yeah, I, think did, I think he did i think yeah. he did fine i mean you know, if you're a tackle, unless you're, you know, one of the elite guys, you're not going to be perfect. Mm. Uh, but I think, you know, if you go back and watch that Kentucky game, he probably held his own in, in some of those matchups with Josh Allen. You're trying to block the best athlete on the field uh, most of the time. And That's so, what you're, as yeah. a left tackle, you're blocking the best athlete on the field most of the time. And so, yeah, I mean, but I think there's still, you know, a lot of things to figure out about this offensive line. They had guys moving uh, just within one drill. One guy would get a, a rep at right guard, and then he'd be at center, and they're just moving around a lot of guys. But uh, the main group, and I do think it was important to know that Darnell Wright was with the main group. So yeah. he's a guy that they view. Uh, he wasn't with, you know, Jackson Lampley was other, with the other group, with yeah. some of the walk-ons, some other guys that aren't really going to be factors. Um, and he, he's obviously probably a redshirt guy, uh, yeah. given what they have at Garden Center, which is where he's going to play. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, we'll have to see how kind of all that plays out. And, and you're not going to know anything about the offensive line until they get in pads. Yep. Uh, and even Jim Chaney on Thursday was saying he was interested to see how clean those guys can play and if if they can uh prove to be one of the the best five on on in that position group your playbook is 100 percent as large as your guys can handle like if if you can if you can do a million things then that's how big your playbook is if you can do 10 things that's how big your playbook is uh you'd rather do 100 things you know you'd rather do 10 things at 100 miles an hour than 100 things at, at 10 miles an hour so that so that's that that's interesting. The, the one thing I will say though, really, I quickly, have one more addition. Oh, no. one more small thing. Go because I got because, I got one. You got one. Go first. Only because I get to bring up the portal and say portaling, which is one of my favorite words. Uh, Karat Garland is portaling. It is a verb. Jeremy, he's entered the transfer portal. Uh, I didn't see him at practice on Friday. Nope. But Jeremy Pruitt did not come out and say we wish him the best and we'll help him. Which he did notably with some yeah yeah back, back in yeah back in um at that couple of the uh recruiting celebrations when when richmond and wolf and austin smith and those guys were portaling he was like yeah they won't be back we wish them the best so that so him saying that hey not everybody that goes in the portal leaves you know we'll see what happens we'll see how that plays out that suggests that maybe garland comes back at some point but 
you're in the portal, you never know what's going to happen because you're in the portal. And, and give Pruitt two points for consistency on this because he's not a hypocrite. He has come out there several times and said he is 100% in favor of the portal. Now, when he's lost some guys, he's not come out and been a sore loser about it. He said, you know what? I got to be okay with this both ways. I'm for it. I I think guys should find the best place for them to play. Uh, I still said it from the beginning. I'll say it again now. I like Garland's upside as a player. I think he could be a solid SEC defensive lineman. But we'll see. Um, that there's there's a lot to be said there. The one thing I, I will say, uh, and this is more about Thursday than Friday, but the last point I had was that uh, Derek Ansley was asked about Tennessee's secondary and how many guys that he wants to have ready to go. Like, how many guys do you want to play? You know, would it be like seven or eight? You know, six guys, seven, eight guys. He said nine or ten guys in the secondary is what they want going into the year. That's what you'd love to have. Because he said that – and it's not just because of the depth that they want. It's because they are so into matchups, and this is where he and Pruitt are on the same page. Now that the rules allow you to make a change every time the offense does, you can get better packages on the field. You see more sub packages, all these things. They want nine or ten guys out there, and that's a lot, I think, if you're going to be – but but that's – but it's a lot the, like the offensive line, though. That's too, this where, era of football. I mean, that's what you want different guys out there for different matchups. Yeah, you want your you want your best five, but you also want to know who your best six are if you're going dime, and you want your next best two or three, so that if something happens in a game, and and somebody goes out for a few plays or goes out for the rest of the game, you have a guy that you slide him right in there, and you're ready to go. Don't miss a beat. That's, and sometimes that's, that's how coaches kind of operate, and that's why this part of the season is uh, is so important, and that's why the way that Tennessee practices, where they've got three different groups and four different groups going at once. Uh, helps those guys that, that may be down the pecking order a little bit be a little bit more ready to play than if they're just standing over there on the sideline. And, yeah, and I've seen there's situations where a guy, and this does happen, you might think it's dumb, but it's not. I, at first I thought it was kind of dumb, but now I get it. There might be guys who are not very good in the base defense. They're not. They're just okay in the nickel, but they're really, really good in the dime package because maybe they're a bigger safety that offers you a bit more run support if a team tries to take advantage of you yeah. in the dime and kind of stuff the ball between the tackles and get you mismatched there. They can offer you something there. Maybe they're a guy who in the nickel, for whatever reason, everything about the nickel package just makes sense to them and they know exactly what to do, but you put them out there in the dime, they're lost. And sometimes it, you're... It's, it's weird, but there are guys who do it's no different from in baseball when you're putting different guys in there to hit based on who you see on the mound late in the game. And and this is happening more. It used to be more of a baseball thing. Now it's becoming more of a football thing too, where you're seeing guys that are very good in certain packages and just not very good in others. And if you're going to play a billion packages, which everyone's going to do these days, that's those aren't bad guys to have. And, and yeah, sometimes your sixth best defensive back is your next best star, but not your best next best corner or, or your best money. Yeah, or your best you know whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, and so you yeah you got to pick your spots with those guys, and you want to know. It's not just always as simple as okay, he's the next guy in. You've got to know who where he's going in and what combination you want out there, and obviously what the situation is too. Um, we we touched on on D'Angelo Gibbs a little bit earlier. We also got got to throw in the obligatory Aubrey Solomon mention. No timetable at all for when we will know his status. Um, Jeremy Pruitt's made that clear. But when we know, you will know. Yes. You, so stop asking. You will, <laughs> you will not have it's, to it's, ask. It's, it's like in Super Troopers. Farva, your suspension continues. Yes. Like, you know, it will. You, Aubrey Solomon, your, your uh, limbo continues. But, he, but he's not over there sitting on the side of practice. Yeah, he's practicing as usual. I mean, he's, he's practicing like he's going to play the season. And, and Jeremy Pruitt's insisted. And so he, is D'Angelo Gibbs. Right he's, he's been asked multiple times, you know, is how are you frustrated with the timing or, you know, how, how how much of an inconvenience is this? It's not really affecting anything they're doing because they're practicing the exact same way. So still still out there, but still waiting. And it could be 
I mean, if they get to game week and, and they haven't gotten word yet, they'll they might have to scale yeah. them back and get some other guys ready. But we're a long way away from that. But yeah, they've also they're, waited a long time. They for, still have some optimism. So yeah, we, Tennessee's also had to wait a long time to figure out, you know, to get a, get something back. Should have lawyered up, kid. Should have lawyered up. The NCAA will run the other way if you get a lawyer. This is true. Uh, last thing, guys, we, we can agree that the Cubs probably won the trade deadline, right? We can agree that. Oh, I mean, how could they not have with? Who was it they added? The Nash, the the Major League Baseball doubles leader. I mean, Nick Castellanos is is definitely a. How many hits did the Cubs have the other night against the Cardinals? Uh, let me guess, one. One. Yeah. yeah. It was probably a really good hit though. They they made better trades than the Cardinals, which were minimal to none. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll have another episode later this weekend. We'll have some some comments from Jim Chaney, from Derek Ansley. We'll have a lot of that stuff. But in the meantime, if you want coverage on all the stuff, you want photos, you want videos, you want analysis, you, you want straight news coverage, anything you want, go Vols247.com. You can also find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Not the hockey player. Ryan Callahan 24-7. That's the that's our Ryan Callahan. The other right. one's the hockey guy. You can go to twitter.com slash Grant Ramey if you want to read a bunch of worthless dribble. You can you can go there and get that from a guy who's not a team player. More on that later. You can go to Facebook.com slash GoVols247 to hear from all of us. You can go to Twitter.com slash GoVols247 to hear from all of us. Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, you go straight to GoVols247.com. Brand new message boards out there. They're really neat. They got a lot of neat features that our people have wanted for a while and now they have uh, and you can try right now 30 percent off annual subscription good time guys preseason camp really good time to to jump on in and if you want more detailed coverage than you're getting on this podcast there's one place you can go for that and that's govals247.com pat any final thoughts nope